0: It's not a competition, but then again, everything is. Like trying to have a conversation, and afterwards asking who is. Every person that you talk to is the co-host of that moment in your life. Might be one podcast too many, but we're only one small slice of the pie. It's the cultural content consumption appraisal.
1: You did it. You're here. You've arrived in the magical land of the cultural content consumption appraisal hour, a fantasy land that comes into being in your ears every Thursday morning. And today, loyal listener, finally, a loose end is being tied right up for all of you who are a bit fussy about these things from episode one something is getting addressed today can you already guess it has the title perhaps given it away that's right what was the first thing i ever recommended to christopher
2: a fucking book Friends,
1: <laughs> lovers <laughs> and the big terrible thing aka a fucking book by matthew perry because it's the book club today baby we are finally finally i can't imagine right can you imagine christopher put yourself in the listener's shoes you listen to a podcast where podcast where podcasts where uh, culture is being critiqued, and every week things are being recommended. And the very first thing that gets recommended never comes up again. Yeah. It took about twelve episodes. Oh, we we'll, we
2: just playing the long game. We were just playing the long game, Jeff. Mm. And for those loyal listeners, they're finally getting the payoff. Oh, they're listening to payoff. all of that other stuff. They've sat through, I don't know, the wrestler, the yeah. punch drunk love, Moonwalker. <laughs> And now finally. (laughs) All the things. Finally. Finally. Imagine
1: if someone was like, I really, really wanted to know what they thought of the book. Are they thinking now they gave up on it? They fully forgot their own podcast recommendation? Is it so terrible it wasn't worth a mention? Was it so harrowing they couldn't get into it? Like, maybe all of the above, dear listener. Okay, but today it might be a, a slightly truncated shorter version because as usual, Christopher thinks we won't have enough to talk about. I think we'll have too much to talk about. So rather than... Um, encourage further uh, talking points let's look for a, a cutoff around the half an hour mark it's a bit of a bonus episode we've got this idea where when we uh happily cross over with a book we both read to drop in a book club special for you guys here or there and this one is really near and dear to our hearts it's it's harkening back to episode one and i want to start hot out the gate christopher with like can you actually remember where you're relationship with this book starts because for me i'm thinking it was actually and let's set a bit of the table here christopher and i are huge friends fans from back of the day we've really bonded over it in our childhood okay so with that said i think a lot of our listeners can um relate to that and if not relate personally you can relate to like that feeling being in the zeitgeist like friends for our generation is a big deal right with that said there was a reunion special i, I remember it vividly as quite a like covid thing it was mm-hmm. a big thing we all looked forward to in COVID. And I remember our dear Matthew Perry not seeming to be too well and not too long after the special, news dropped of uh, the book. And I was like, I was concerned about him. Me and Christopher had a little debrief after the special. And I was like, that was sort of the main takeaway, let alone some of the nice stuff. was I was just concerned for him. So my first relationship with the book that I remember is I need to read the book just to make sure this guy i vaguely care about in a celebrity kind of way is all right um do you remember first hearing about it and how you felt
2: um i think i first heard about it just on social media or something i Mm. think he must Mm. have tweeted that's when i first heard about it but i do vividly remember after the friend special just messaging Mm. you going have you watched it is matthew perry Mm. okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the question wasn't it do you remember
1: what it was like he just seemed a bit it wasn't exactly slurring, and he he goes into it in the book. Yeah, Dear Lord, does he go
2: into it in the book? But um, it just seemed like a uh, different energy, right? Yeah, he he wasn't yeah. he wasn't. I don't want to say Chandler, but he wasn't. Should we get into it? Let's let's yeah. just. He I feel like Chandler, we're being too gentle. I think he himself in the book <laughs> says is basically him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Chandler's like Chandler gets referenced the 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 relationship this man has with Chandler um okay so right right out i can just say my guy didn't really find like a story beyond like addiction is super horrid and let me tell you every lurid detail of yeah. how horrid ho- horrid it is and uh, one really really interesting thing to me would have been like the, the relationship between me and chandler and how all my life i've wanted to uh, be funny as a defense mechanism and that part is like a pure crossover with his real character He tells you the origin story of a lot of his shit and one of them is being an unaccompanied minor on a flight where his mom and dad let him fly alone and he's very young and my guy you've made 80 million (laughs) you're in your 50s can we let it go (laughs) but hey it's your celebrity (laughs) memoir it's your book um fair enough but um one thing that i just gotta come right out and say and i wonder if you agree uh it's not like as fresh as we finished it the other day but as we talk mm. about it more details will come up i'm sure but one thing to me it might be the most like surface level just uh critique that's out there but like for me personally there wasn't enough friends in there there was a, there was a it leaned a bit heavy on the addiction and i wanted a bit more friends shit do give you me some, judge me well, do you know what i honest, mean he
2: probably can't remember any of it jeff <laughs> <laughs> true like but like and i know what you mean because i think mm. maybe a third of the way in you mm. start getting some of the friends stuff and there's probably maybe mm. a chapter maybe two where he yes. sort of talks he sort of blows through 10 years of friends, doesn't he <laughs> and then essentially says i was only sober for one of them and yeah And that was the one I got nominated for an Emmy for. And
1: that was the one I looked the best for. And like, okay, cool. But you're so right. He gets there. And I'm like, yes, here we go. And he tells like one or two stories. And I'm like, this is good stuff. And he's
2: like, anyway, back to the drugs. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) no, please. (laughs) And and I think every every chapter there was just a story of how many pills he was taking, what he was going through, how he was trying to get them. And to be honest, it was hard to keep track of where he was in his storyline yeah, as well yeah yeah sort yeah sort of went all over the shop
1: a lot of the times um he so he sort of assumes you know his very uh unique filmography inside yeah. out because he'll be like so we were doing serving sarah and you're like yes okay so this is at some point in the 2000s then. i knew
2: all of the references just...
1: dude of course you did <laughs> but did you know the date? every movie
2: uh <laughs> no <laughs> probably not
1: like, no but you had a rough idea you knew the whole nine yards was before the whole 10 yards that's for damn sure <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i remember him saying um oh this is great if you're more of an expert on his actual yeah. filmography this is fantastic the whole nine yards he said was where his movie stardom kind of began
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: whole 10 yards was pretty much four years later where it ended yep <laughs> now i remember the whole nine yards and it being like a vaguely charming movie I yeah. don't remember the whole 10 yards at all uh, possibly that's a good thing according to him do you remember um those films and do you remember the whole 10 yards being a super big letdown as he said because I don't remember it being like that bad
2: um I remember whole nine yards I don't really remember the whole there ten you go yards. <laughs> there you go we're doing him a favor it yeah. seems like yeah it's probably a good thing and there was the fool's Russian movie which I do remember with Sam Hayek okay. I remember that quite well yeah
1: okay let's but, let's talk but, about yeah, this we're, we're jumping you... all over the shop this is this is kind of how we're like how we if, if you want to well it's how we talk and it's also how he he doesn't he sort of um does childhood stuff but just yeah. it's mainly around how is my addiction going to develop then he jumps into friends mm-hmm. uh, to be fair one of, for me the bit that I probably found most engaging was like young actor boy yeah. trying to get friends yeah. that was fun he was his friendship with Hank Azaria um but then kind of after friends breaks the rest of the book is kind of like let me tell you some of these crazy stories. Back to yeah. Friends a bit. Let me tell you some crazy stories. Like, yeah, as you say, the chronology isn't uh, the most on point. One, one just big question out of the gate before we get into a bit more uh, n- nitty gritty to finish up is, mm. like, it just seemed to me the question I wanted to ask my friend, right? Because we're both big Friends fans. Are you going to watch Friends slightly differently when you do a
2: rewatch after reading this book? Um, sort of cuz i i am um, i think about halfway through or something once he got his big break and he was he did a lot about the pilot and how the producers and stuff and i think they mentioned this in the special as well sort of sent them all to vegas mm. and went look go and enjoy this cuz this will be the only time that you'll yes. you'll ever be not recognized and they all went off mm. and had a big blowout And he just sort of said how they read the pilot. The pilot was brilliant. They were all bouncing off each other. They all became best buds. So I I actually watched the pilot again. Oh, how cute. Watching it. And I was looking at him. I was like, he looks so happy. (laughs) Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Big big thing that he wanted. Yeah. Um, But then I just vibrates with the energy of six actors who got the thing. Right. The pilot now. Yeah. And he Uh, was the last person cast in pilot Right. And he was the last person
1: cast. Um. I uh, didn't rewatch the pilot. Dude. Okay. His mate turned it down. And then a few seasons later, I feel like they um, reconcile. And there's this talk. And oh, so here's another interesting thing. Christopher read the book. I recommended. I thought I was doing a cool thing. I recommended the audiobook to him. He ended up just reading the book and going for that. And I'm so happy about that. I actually listened to the audiobook. I listened to Matthew Perry actually talk us through it. So I remember at this bit sort of gasping and being a bit like, oh, this is Mm. quite touching. But a few years after, basically him and one of his besties are both up for the role. His bestie sort of decides actually he's into another role. Mm -hmm. And Chandler ends up getting Chandler. Matthew Perry ends up getting Chandler. The big break of his career becomes a millionaire, becomes very famous. All the things that him and this young group of actors wanted. The other actor doesn't get it. It, you can imagine that's an awkward needle to thread for a friendship and a few years later they reconcile and the guy comes around to his house and says like listen it was just really hard to stay friends afterwards and the way Matthew Perry describes it like fair play to the other bloke for just mm. saying it out there what was his uh, struggle there and Matthew Perry just sort of says to him like you know and he 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 prefaced it by saying like thing I had to say I didn't want to say i had to say and i was like oh god is he gonna be mean to this poor guy who like (laughs) and he but he wasn't and he just said like it doesn't do what you think it's gonna do speaking of fame right that's what he says and that really touched me because in so many ways christopher i'm gonna admit i didn't rate this as a book um i didn't i didn't rate this as like top tier self-reflection um but here or there moments like this would win me over. And I was like, oh, you're so close to like telling me something quite profound because a lot of the time it would just seem like this long road signposted by drugs, 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 fame, 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 and then afterwards like, you know, drugs are not the one, fame is not the one, but like that seems to have mostly been the one for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've read quite a few addiction memoirs also and I was trying to like, I don't know, it was a pretty... In being so honest, it also felt quite weirdly because you think like the thing to aim for is like super honesty, right? Lots of details, lots of shameful stuff. He's like exposing the ugliest parts of himself. Very mm. brave, very honest. At the same time as that, this might just be me. I might be being unfair. I'm very curious to hear what you think.
2: It was also quite shallow. I, mm. there's one thing you haven't mentioned in the fame, 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 addiction, addiction, addiction. Please. Which is his relationship with his parents, which Good point. from the start, he talks yes. about his, Problematic. His, yeah, his parents split up when he's very, very young. And mm. then he basically feels like a outsider to his two new families because they both yes. move on. They both, both meet new people. They both have new kids. And mm. as you mentioned at the start, he gets ferried across on a plane. So he mm. gets flown, not ferried, oh. but he gets flown oh. across on a plane as an unaccompanied minor with a literal sign around him. Just being Ooh. sent from parent to parent, um, right. so he for me the whole addiction of fame thing is him just wanting to be accepted, and yep. that's that's how I read it is that he's just constantly looking for that validation, which he sort of mm. ruins most of any good relationship he has as well because he just doesn't feel like he's as enough. important. Yeah, he's enough. Yeah.
1: So yeah, that's a really and, good and, point, and and that mm. sort of
2: just just feeds the addiction because he's just looking for that sort of I guess buzz or whatever it is that as he needs from the start when he he talks about the first his first experience with alcohol where he's sort of just laying on the grass in his back garden staring at the stars yeah (laughs) and it was like finally
1: everything's okay kind of thing yeah Yeah, and i remember actually he differentiates right because there's the different types of drugs oh probably trigger trigger warnings i don't know um there's the different types of drugs and like it's like uppers or downers are you gonna get high are you gonna get mellow and his whole thing was getting mellow yeah like he wanted to like calm it down and just be okay and not be so panicky and it's a really funny dichotomy because i feel like it's all to like temper the things that also make him super funny yeah at least at his best um which is the insecurity and the not knowing if he's accepted or not these are all the things that like he like extracts such amazing humorous energy from it's also like makes it hard to live and interact and live a life so I get it. You you make a very good point. He actually does give us the origin story of his addiction. (laughs) I wonder if something changes in the hearing. He is Batman. (laughs) He okay. Explain (laughs) this to me. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't. What's the Batman stuff? Okay, because I actually did. That was the one thing I was like, dear dear listener. He keeps repeating that he is Batman. He ends a few chapters on it, and here or there. Like I'll give him this. He is a funny guy. I, I. I laughed at a few of his jokes in the book, like to laugh um, at, you know, black and white writing on a page or a guy reading mm. um, a very deep audiobook is different to a sitcom. <laughs> You're not nearly as encouraged and cushioned along to laugh. So the fact that he pulls this off and is, he's clearly a naturally funny man as we knew all along. But um, did you laugh out loud? With... A few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He really? got me a few times. Not always for reasons I think he wanted, not always. But I'll, I'll tell you one, the one that sticked out to me the most. That I was like, I can't wait to uh tell chris about this one because i was literally i gasped. um but with that said <laughs> the uh the stuff um to do with yeah the uh the f- listen he's a very you. funny i've g- broken you down. <laughs> <laughs> don't break me don't break me matthew matthew perry get me back on track this he's unaccompanied batman. minor guy the batman stuff i actually googled i was so lost yeah. um so apparently he's just Big into Batman, and I don't know if it ever made any. Yeah, literally, dude. If you Google Matthew Perry Batman, he's like gone on Jimmy Kimmel and talked about how big a deal Batman is to him. He's like done up a room I, in one I of his mansions.
2: The, I think it's the lonely rich man in a tower. Sure. That, that's, sure, that's oh, that's and... got to be what he's connecting to. Is is he's Bruce Wayne? He's a loner. He's exactly. just on his own. He never exactly. Had... Yeah, Chandler
1: is also super into Batman. I don't fully remember, but when I googled it, it was like. Chandler and Matthew Perry have this in common. Like, okay, great. Fair enough.
2: Now, well, but do you not remember the friends episode where they go and get suits and Ross has, of course he wanted Bruce Wayne's suit. Yes. Exactly. Now I remember. Come on yes. Now. Yes. Come on yes. Now. Okay. So listen, he wants I to t- t- talk to Dexter friends and just found the, found the reference. For
1: <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> nicely done. That happened very, uh, uh, quickly right in front of your very eyes. Now he does, he does, um, he does get, this is the thing, right? This is to me. I was th- sort of thinking it through on this level. Um, and uh, a biography of like an actor, mm. an artist, right? It will talk about their roles and what they did and blah, blah, blah. My guy, right? He got friends. Fair play, right? Like, it's almost like he prayed to God. And he talks about this in the book. He prayed to God to just, he just wanted to get famous. And actually, weirdly, my association with that was, um, I've read quite a fair few biographies of a certain, you will not expect this reference, dear listener, a certain Kurt Cobain, Mm -hmm. and this um this uh pioneer of the grunge movement uh was very very um overtly obsessed with fame too and he thought that it would fill all the holes and solve all the problems and heal all the childhood trauma shit and he learned very quickly and to a much uh, harsher and more tragic end that it did not do all those things and i feel like this book is like a fable on fame won't do what you need it to do if you need it it will actually make things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed to be the big lesson of it, right? But just in this level, and I don't mean to be a hater, please like, help me be more gentle to the sky. I don't know why. It might have been because I listened to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Shout out another lovely podcast. And they kind of, <laughs> I won't mince words, they tore him to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hard it's a hard uh dividing line between like you're reviewing a book and like if it's a memoir you're having a go at a dude's life and personality yeah. <laughs> so i don't want to do that and i'm very affectionate towards matthew perry but i gotta be a bit real about some of these things and one of them is like i was just thinking like okay most of the figures who write autobiographies could theoretically have biographies written on them if this dude had a biography written on him it would be like yeah he really wanted fame got it i can tell you about friends everything else i'm so sorry it was just shit he fucked up mm. like opportunities he didn't do movies where he had to literally re-record audio because he was slurring on the set um he had to keep um bailing from the shoots to go into rehab again like that's kind of his life as an actor
2: and so didn't is a fuck-up well um i don't know like re- like yeah, no nah, I'm, I'm just I'm just it because you said it's shit that he's fucked up, but it's stuff that he fucked up because he wasn't well. Sure,
1: yeah. sure. This there the wasn't well. That it's a disease. It's not his fault. Like I super. Yeah. Like my heart does uh, break for him on that level, and the sympathy is going to come after this little mm-hmm. dig. But just on the level of other stories about actors, yeah. this is the point I'm trying to make: is he doesn't seem very interested in acting gotcha like he doesn't seem to be artistically invested in like this was my best performance blah blah blah. he's like this was like he seems like he enters the fame game and then his whole thing is like how can i hold on to the fame and make the fame work and like Mm. i'm not saying that's like a super shallow awful thing like that's that's well it kind of is but (laughs) i'm but like that motivated him from the start and he loved his job friends with the dream job blah 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 great Mm. but like, there's no, and he seemed, the, the proud thing he reflects on over and over to the point where even I was like, listen, it's good to own your victories, but okay, guy, I get it, is the whole, like, I changed the way America talks, like, that yeah. seems to be his crowning thing, which is a thing, so fair enough, but it just did occur to me And we haven't when, like, even referenced that yet. <laughs> what, friends, the way he talks, the way he yeah, talks?
2: Yeah, the way he could talks. He the, the way he be changed. any more of a cultural zeitgeist guy? Yeah. could Jeff uh, guy? hate? Anymore, this book. I don't know. I did not really No,
0: guess. listen. I I kind of
2: <laughs> loved it Could I hate
1: this book anymore? I kind of I kind of really liked it because I found it kind of bland, but it also like super humanized him. If yeah. anyone is out there with illusions of celebrities and
2: glamorous lifestyles and all this shit, like my guy was just out here struggling. What 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 I found really interesting was it was almost took me down a trip down memory lane because mm. when when friends finished, me and you both did things looking for more friends. We both watched Joey, which we talk about quite a lot. But also, <laughs> yeah. every single thing that Matthew Perry did after that, I yeah. gave it a go. So, dude, dude, the, the, we the, the, we the, the, that was one the, of our the,
0: earliest um
2: <laughs> things, right? Yeah, Studio 60s that we were together. together, which I still think yeah. is a great show. Except same, same. We can get the some the, that that we'll get to it in a bit. But there's also the the trail of terrible sitcoms that followed, which I actually think oh, I watched boy. all of them. One of them was Go On. One was where he was like in charge of an arena um mr sunshine that's the one and i think there was a third but i'm not Uh, sure whether a couple mm, and let's go on was the um uh aa group or whatever it was or something that he did yeah i can't remember listen it all blurs into one you know know. but the theme is that they open strong yeah yeah they they open strong and then they go and and then there was the theatre production that I forgot that he did, where he wrote a play. And he said that the that UK audience loved it. we missed in the West yeah. yeah. The UK audience loved it, but the American audience hated it. <laughs>
1: I actually wrote down the number. So he made $600 when it went to Broadway. And he said, I made a thousand times more when it was on the West End. They did not like it over there. Um, <sighs> That's quite funny. Yeah, kind of gutted we didn't catch it. Um, but but uh, he, sort, think he sort
2: of. There, 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 there's yeah. a sentence in this book that explains why Studio 60 didn't do well and why okay. why it dropped off despite us loving it with all the walking right. and talking with all the errands talking and stuff like that was that yep. there was jeopardy yep. in the west wing because yes. you know it was president it was war i've never seen it but i assume but no one <laughs> no one could care about yes a sketch comedy show <laughs> right and a joke being pulled off yeah is not nearly being,
1: as important as um like delaware's gonna get nuked or something
2: yeah and i was just like I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. But no, no, because I really liked the jeopardy about a joke not being pulled off. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's I, it and must I really be because me show. and
2: you, yeah. me and
1: you are such um, SNL diehards. Um, and p- probably back then we weren't, but it's still um, actually we were. We were just um, in our in our youth uh, with uh, SNL. But like he said, like for a small audience, yeah, they would feel like the high stakes of just getting a joke right or whatever. But this, I think, that was his way of justifying to sort of, like reason middle america didn't like it as much as the west wing yeah but um and, and there's a fair reflection i think he says it took me years to figure out it was the hottest script going the yeah. pilot was one of the best pieces of television ever there was this crackling energy about it but then he specifically shouts out nathan rabin on the av club who's like mm. a tv critic and i'm like oh wow he's we're out here naming names of tv critics this is getting good and he's like took me a few years but then i read his take and it was just what you alluded to, the fact that there was these high stakes around these things that most people are like, what the fuck? Like, calm down, who cares? It's a joke. Mm. And, like, it's only quite a small niche comedy audience who gets it. But on the other hand, like, I don't know, small niche comedy audiences can flourish. I don't think that fully, fully gets what Uh, the problem uh, with the show is.
2: There was two other things that you mentioned about. Please, yes. Which I thought was, which I found fascinating. So Mm. for those, yeah, there, there was a show, Studio 60, which came out. Um, sort of asked West Wing. It was Aaron Sorkin's next big show on Two Sixty on the
1: Sunset Strip.
2: And and I, one thing I found really interesting was that that he had to haggle for his money for that show dude. as well. So they wanted it to dude. be an ensemble cast and yes. that everyone was going to get paid the same thing and everyone was as important as ever. But then him and his agent were sort of like, yeah, but I'm Matthew Perry, <laughs> dude. How did you feel about that? I, I was felt a bit a like, uncomfortable. Still... Yeah, cause, right. But but he was out there saying, but Joey's getting such and such for Sick. his Joey show. Joey's
1: get-
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> he's literally on
1: Joey's like... a few, a few studios over getting however many million. I just went from friends getting over a million per episode. They're trying to offer me like fifty grand, and he's yeah. like, "I get it, that's a lot of money, but like, what are we talking about?" But I'm so, thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, me and my agent got it up to like a hundred fifty k or two hundred k or something. And then his then... name was
2: on, then his name and his face exactly. all over the billboards and
1: things. And like then that. rather than being the ensemble, he becomes more of the lead guy. And I was like. Bro, did you not learn anything from the whole David Schwimmer? Like, <laughs> David Schwimmer gets shouted out throughout the book, and thank God, because he also gets being shouted lovely. out throughout all Friends episodes for being the guy who made sure, very, very famously, that at a certain point when the show got super successful, they all came together and, like, listen, we have to stick together when we get negotiations going here. Yeah. Ross was kind of, if anyone was going to be the star early on, it would have been Ross. Yeah. He could have gone for more money and made a thing, but that was almost the magic of Friends that six super equal. Yep. And it really helped Couldn't them in the negotiating
2: show without, without with one of them missing.
1: Yep. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So the money bit, I was a bit like, OK. And then I feel like the next thing you're going to talk about, like, it might be what I want to say about it. But let's see. Let's see. It's about
2: Aaron Sorkin and his director. Oh, and how boy. This was you, where I got. They, they would reshoot shots if Ew. they didn't say it the right way or they got okay. they, they didn't If they deviate from the script at all, he would yes. shout cut and then refilm it, which I thought was fascinating. Okay. More, yeah, fascinating, right? More than I realized, like, man had gripes
1: in this book, okay? He had scores to settle, some of them were slightly weird. Um, For instance, very quick one, you mentioned Fool's Rush in earlier. Like, he roasted Salma Hayek for no reason. He was like, she wanted to say the line in a weird way. It was like a line where we had to say, I love you, and she was like, should we not look at each other? And he tried, and he was like, uh, should we just look at each other, you dummy? Like, okay, it's not like she won an Oscar for Frida or anything, but just like the one mention in your book is that she's... Uh, really dumb okay fair enough to you matthew perry but this aaron sorkin thing let me just bring it down to this one line he said because i got for all all this stuff about like how his sets run i was like this is fascinating but then he said the line and i've got it here i am not the writer he is but he's definitely not as funny as me and i was like mike (laughs) (laughs) like fair enough but like you might be right and then he said i don't fault him for running a show as he wanted to i was just disappointed i'm like it sounds like you do fault him actually that's exactly <laughs> what you do is you fault him for running a show as he wanted to and like oh you know it's like shakespeare if we get anything wrong and he's like even some people on the set sh- on the set called it shakespeare and then he drops this one little tidbit it's such he's such a little gossip in some like, way he drops it he's like and then i spoke to tom hanks years later and he said that's what it was like for him too when you work with sorkin it's like, okay bro so you didn't love sorkin okay I think the main thing there is you had a dream gig. This is the th- this for me is probably the lesson of the book actually and the lesson of his life. Not only did you get the, more fame than anyone should ever have. Mm-hmm. So dreams came too true. And he he words it quite nicely. He's like the only way to realize how much fame won't fix your life is to like get it and like all this shit, right? So he gets too much of it. And also with acting and with just a gig, like imagine The most dream gig of gigs he got. And then Mm. I just think uh, that spoiled him, like, uh, in some ways that, like, bro, so many people out here would be, like, dreaming of getting to do Sorkin, and you're out here being like, oh, well, there's not quite enough oxygen on the set. I couldn't riff. Like, shut the fuck up. You
2: riffed before. This isn't the gig (laughs) for riffing. Uh, I guess he's allowed to say it because then... I was was thinking this earlier, and I was like, I was relating it to, so footballers, right?
1: Oh, I
2: love this. Let's go. Um, so just opening my window because I'm venting. They I'm have a 10 hot. career at, yes. at, at the top level. And then after right. that, they're constantly chasing and they don't know how to deal with the fact, like, we've got Ugh. Ronaldo out here, you know? Great analogy. <laughs> Let's go. This is so good. But, yes. as, but that's what it feels like is he had his 10 oh. years and then after that, he was constantly still chasing for something yes. to, to keep him yes. happy and to keep him going. And they right. weren't landing. His addiction was still taking over and it was just constantly yes. this whirlwind of never really getting what he once had no that's such a good point he actually i found it one of the more people struggle to cope with things like that dude like dude there's space in life
0: yeah yes man yeah no no.
2: three night play and then afterwards go but what now (laughs) but you know you do there's that weird come down afterwards where you've spent 12 weeks rehearsing something you do it yes and then suddenly you're like oh it's over no no
1: i I can't imagine i can't imagine because we have our little ways to relate right but getting off the friends train of anything 10 years of being on the most beloved show let alone the most beloved show that gives you all the fame and all the money but like just can you imagine like what funny people you work with and they all know you and it's your job and you get a live audience kick every week like to have that in your life and then to it was i found it quite moving actually he described how he sort of didn't feel anything Mm. and like everyone else was crying and he was like i'm not sure if it's because of the whatever cocktail of drugs i'm on right now <laughs> or yeah. if it's just because I, I'm, I'm a monster or i'm a robot or something but like he remembers vividly not feeling it and then ironically at the reunion years later he was the one who cried the most or whatever mm-hmm. but i remember he was just talking about like going to the car park getting in his car and being like well i don't have anything to do tomorrow and it was just so moving like at the end of the day it went from like the biggest thing in culture to just like the same as any of us when we leave a job where it's just like you just go to your car and you're like oh what's now then it's like you're the star of this show. Surely there's another, and you're right. It's such an athlete thing. He he was actually so blessed and lucky to have ten years, um, yeah. at the top. Um, and yeah, he's forever now chasing that high. His whole thing though is like I said, he got too much fame and money, mate. Because then afterwards, it's like, um, he wants to. He tells his agent, "I just want to do dramatic work. I just want to do this or that." And it's uh, like, dude, you're you're rich now. You should do stuff that just means things to you. Which eventually mm. he. He figures out, and now he's trying to write more, blah, blah, blah. But um, the Aaron Sorkin thing, yeah, definitely kind of killed me. Because I can so see that th- he's, like, irritating. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But also, he was coming off as a bit like, all right, mate. Like, just just be a guy on a set. You're like, um, he wants friends back. Yeah, bless him. He had the best gig in the world, and nothing else is going to be uh, uh, as good. Um,
2: I know we've already Two crossed a more... half hour, Mark. No, no, it's fine. Two more things I need to mention. Okay. please. Before we talk about the women... Um, oh, mate. The whole story with him and Bruce Willis while they're filming the whole nine yards just getting yes. absolutely smashed together and seeming to have <laughs> a wonderful time watching. Yeah, the he loves Bruce. And just yeah, like that, playing I was like, golf. Yeah, I was just like, wow, Matthew Perry, Bruce Willis are besties. <laughs> so yeah, just, that was, that just, was cute. I thought it was really that cute, was except cute. Matthew Perry then ends that whole wonderful story with going, but. Bruce doesn't need the alcohol and he can survive without it but I need to Yeah, he didn't it. have the partying
1: gene. You no, know, he had the yeah. he has the partying gene whereas he was Matthew is the addict. And that yeah. is ladies and gentlemen, it comes later. I thought it was going to be slightly more profound but hey ho. Yeah. That is the big terrible thing as referenced yeah. in the title. It is addiction. Um yeah, and then at the end of the Bruce Willis thing he says but these days I pray for him every night because obviously now Bruce Willis yeah. has his um uh, well publicized health issues but i remember mm-hmm. I, as, as cute as that was again he can't help it he, he keeps like revealing himself right for me more than i'd like christopher chanler seems like the well put together like human who actually like developed and was really funny whereas matthew perry seems like a guy who just one of the personality traits that just jumps out to me and i just don't want it to but it does it's just mm-hmm. like rich guy he's just a rich guy I can't
2: believe so he makes this... this so hard out of, out of <laughs> listening to it. I just, I must have just skipped over those sentences as I was reading it. Because I'm just, I'm out here feeling sad for the guy. And you're yeah, out no, here you're, going, you're... yeah, but it's his fault. I'm
1: Not even his fault, but like, literally, yeah. this is the, uh, I'm so glad you reined me back in on that. Because you're right, a lot of it is to feel sorry for him. And he deserves some modicum And I don't, I think, kind of I don't sympathy. think he wrote it.
2: He was just—he's te- just telling his story how he needs to tell sure. it. Oh, and I and, like and that, I that he's trying to be as so honest as possible. I was getting so much Matthew Perryness out of it, and enjoying every every couple of paragraphs. It would end with just like a silly one-liner that would sort of just a make joke. me feel nice and warm and fuzzy, and like, "There's my friend's kick I've been looking for for the last twenty years."
1: <laughs> and it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. 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 And that explains, by the way, um, for earlier. I just I wanted to put put a button, um, mm. to use a nice sitcom term, to put a button on what Christopher was saying about just like for years as friends, fans, him and I, like watched everything Matthew Perry did. Man, we were out here supporting our guy. We loved him, mm. um, uh, and it was like. Even though I'm like talking about his, like his career and his acting wasn't actually, I wouldn't actually call him an artist. I don't feel like other people mm. are going to write biographies about him, and that's probably where it lost me a bit. This book, he just didn't seem as into his shit as I was. I, I was, out, I'm out here a fan watching all his shows, and he seemed much more interested to tell me about, you know, when he was addicted to whatnot. And I was like, yeah, but what was it like being on set and coming up with these lines, bro? Mm. I could
2: have done with so much more friends. With all that said, we've watched all and the shows. You, I think because you don't get all like the nice little pretty colorful pictures that are in the middle of all of it as well i did i i did i did i dude i literally <laughs> don't worry you went into waterstones I, and had a look didn't you of course you did <laughs> however, however i got the guy them, the man I played tennis look at him <laughs> dude
1: he played such tennis that was a big deal for him um exercise is very important that definitely comes across mm. uh, in the book but like one of the captions uh I, I actually wrote that down i'm glad you brought it up one of the captions is like what the hell is going on here do you, you've, have you, can you see it with the uh, with the one? kids? It's quite early on. Please read out the caption when it's him with kids. It's early, like at least the oh, first. Oh, do
2: few... It breaks your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> well, so well, him I'm with not sure. Some sort of like balloon thing yeah. that he's playing with about four kids. It looks like a penis, and, and he looks like he's probably teens, I guess. Yeah, and it says, "I have always been great with kids. Man, I wish I had one of my own."
1: Man, he wishes he had one of his own. Is this a cry for help? Is this a booty call? Is this is he asking people hey, to marry him? I don't know what's going of on booty
2: here. booty calls. So two things we <laughs> me need to mention. One, there's a whole <laughs> section about how he courted one Julia Roberts, fucked it yeah. up, and then ended yeah. up watching her win an Oscar while in rehab. But Aaron Brock is like the that saddest was- thing. That I was think great. I've ever read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I really liked that. Um, just, but to get to the heart of something we were just talking about, and we'll no, come no, no. back to finish. To the... Let me finish.
2: But, please, 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 please. And there's another whole section <laughs> where when he sort of <laughs> breaks up with probably one of his other women that he actually constantly says he was in love with and he fucked up. Yeah. He then yeah. just goes through a period of just dating people with a script. So he would yes. meet them. He'd meet them in a speech. restaurant. Go through a speech. And literally, yeah. if they stayed for the end of it, then it was great. If they didn't, they walked off. And sometimes, but he said 90% of the time it worked and it was great. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Let me try and approximate it. It was basically something to the effect of
1: like, Hey, listen, like if you're here for a good time, great. We can do this. But like, if you're looking for any kind of emotional attachment or for me to be your boyfriend, like it isn't going to happen. Yeah. Like, cool. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) And that got you lots of sex, apparently good for you, Matthew Perry. And boundaries are important and good. And it's good. You're honest to some degree. And if you're as famous as he was, of course, that's going to work. But the whole thing about whether to feel bad about him, like I really do uh, give credence to like addiction being a disease and a huge thing. And like, I think it's so admirable that he actually exposes some of the ugly parts of himself that he must do knowingly. He's not coming across great and he must know that. So on the one hand, I super do rate that and feel sorry for him and love him for it. And parts don't get me wrong but one single quote from the celebrity memoir book club jumped out enough that i had to write it down and it just seems to me part of uh, what i probably had an issue was listing bad things does not absolve you so a lot of the time he's Mm -hmm. talking about the stuff that he did wrong but he doesn't quite have the like getting so like one girlfriend later when he has a play going on in london even though she now lives in london she's not coming to the play Mm -hmm. and he's like hey this isn't your town She's like, actually, I'm getting married. And like, I just don't have from in my life for this right now or whatever. And he was like, that was a very hurtful way to tell me you're getting married. And I'd never do it to someone. But hey, I'm still in your corner and I wish you the best. And I was like, you wouldn't do it to someone, bro. You did all the other fucking shit. (laughs) Broke up with people in so many like crass ways and horrible ways. One woman stayed by your bedside for two years while you went through all these different rehabs and shit. And then you went and broke up with her. And you said it's because, oh, I'm not ready to be in a relationship right now post getting my life Mm. together. And you literally say, actually, that was all a lie. I just wanted to have sex with every
2: woman in California.
0: It's like, so okay, so you're going to throw stones here, really? At
2: the same time at one point as well and this and, is, a, and, and like, then they like threw an intervention and he walks into one of their houses and they were both there and it was just like <laughs> an amazing part of the book and then he ends up
1: having dinner many years later with both of these women and their partners and then guess yeah. what both of these women and their partners leave his house and he's the one there alone and his whole thing is like why aren't i the guy with just my wife and some kids and blah blah like Bless him. I don't mean to hate. You're right. A lot yeah. of this is. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm hating. I just think there's a but line. Is, I like think as this m- is
2: like mm. the way it's, the way I read it was that he's he's sort of saying that he's figuring this all out as it's happening. It's not yes, like he's looking back. He's, it's not like his, his thought process now mm. is, but why aren't mm. I the guy? It's at, in that moment, he's realizing mm. all the things that he's doing. And that's how I'm reading it. As if it's from his mm. mindset at the time, not like his mindset now. I see what you're saying. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I do, I do. If anything, so he's like, that, so it's,
2: co- it's constantly in that moment is when I realize, oh, I fucked up, or oh, right, and the other. It's right. not like, and now I realize that I'm, it's you know, it's kind of. That's I, I think, I think that's a good it.
1: point, actually, to be as honest as possible. He had yeah. to really think back to how much, to be, like, let me actually remember how much of a dick I was, or like mm. how lame I was and that's the way to actually honestly track your experience and then in the it definitely comes across as like listen in the moment as I'm writing I'm sitting alone I'm super Mm. single um it definitely feels like as you say he's figuring it out now as and it's it's a very key thing in life I think sometimes to take experiences and like write them down and get some objectivity and like bless him he did seem to overcome something and this was the point in his life where he had to write about it like a question i had for you up until the end at the end he sort of won me over but a question i had throughout the book was like the amount of relapses mm. the amount of times he just goes back he goes back he goes back do you end the book confident that he's not going to relapse again probably not <laughs> probably not right and it's like if anything there seem to be like quite uh, involved health reasons for why he can't mm. relapse in some way? So, like the oxycontin addiction led to him eventually mm. having a col- colostomy bag, and that really yeah. for his vanity, if nothing else, like that's that's a really um, uh, hard thing to live with, right? And so that he didn't like that. God, he met in his kitchen, and that stopped yeah. him from drinking. Now, personally, the last the, the 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 crown jewel of the the addictions, I really appreciated how much I was looking at the audiobook time. Mm. You know how we do this for other shows? I was looking yeah. at the time left. And he was just talking about cigarettes. And I was like, is this really going to be the end of the book? It's like super about <laughs> cigarettes. It's quite chandler, really, if anything. Yeah. But like that seemed to be like that deserved as much talk as any other drug. And like yeah. as a former smoker, I kind of appreciated that because quitting smoking out here is tough. Mm. And I I will always forever describe it as like losing all your punctuation marks and just suddenly having no commas, no full stops, no question marks no exclamation point throughout the day so in the life of your day you are used to having punctuation marks and pauses and breaths and suddenly to not have those just feels so disorienting and like obviously you've got the actual physical addiction to nicotine but just the habit the way the habit consumes yeah. you and then is the punctuation marks that's how it manifested but to me i just what think that's really such a good metaphor me that, that
2: he went and got hypnotized and then he just and then fully and then, and then and then it didn't work and then he, and then he kept going back. Do you to remember the what happened? Could you try again, dude? Yeah, exactly right. It's, <laughs> it seemed like oh, he met the hypnotist. He was a it bit was cynical. It was all fine. It was all great. And then a page later, I'm like, wait, he's smoking again, <laughs> dude. Dude, do you actually? So it was quite. I was I was I was actually thinking about. That. I was like, what was the thing that stopped? His teeth fell out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all, this, all his teeth fell out And he was like you know what I'm really stressed now I need to smoke again like it's a bit of a mess At the end and he needs to go back to the hypnotist He's begging the hypnotist he runs into the hypnotist He never lies to the hypnotist But like that seemed... there's so many little Pockets of his life story where I'm like that's A movie him yeah. with his teeth falling Out trying to like go back to the hypnotist Smoking again that to me Seemed really uh interesting Um mm. one other contention The celebrity memoir book club people had I just wanted to throw at you and I want you to just you I think you're you're a coming sponsor
2: for this podcast
1: <laughs> I want you to come at it from a point of um defending your guy because I am enjoying that contrast today but like I think you just, just come in this... so hot in the other direction that I've immediately just swung back into <laughs> good, the you leave good. him alone <laughs> and I, and it, good I appreciate that but here's one that I like I found it hard to 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 have a counterpoint in my head but I'm sure you're gonna have one they just said he doesn't seem kind Which is a slightly hurtful
2: one that I sort of I got a little bit. Mm. Um,
1: Did you feel a a bit of that, like here or there? No. Maybe it's a bit of the real estate industry
2: in LA moving (laughs) by constantly moving house. He's keeping them all in business. (laughs) He loves his cars. He helps the car industry by keep buying cars. I think he's very kind. I think there's a few just like
1: so. Right at the end, he's like, "Listen, okay, I would have done anything to not have the big terrible thing. Even Mm. my friend." right who lives in a rent controlled apartment and he struggles for money all the time and he's just you know he's like making this out to be the most horrible little thing he's like even him i'd rather have his life than have my life pages later he's like oh and then the la kings were going to win the stanley cup and i flew my friends out for a few of the games this is one of my favorite things in life i'm like would you really I i feel like you wanted the fame and money and you got the fame and money. And you're kind of happy you got the fame and money.
2: Like,
0: just... The, the thing the is, that, maybe that it's my, because
2: I couldn't hear the tone in his voice. You you listened to the audiobook, so maybe...
0: I actually think
2: that, that might be a difference maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reading it in a certain way, and you're listening to how he actually said it. <laughs> no, but in, in that, just
1: that specific part in black and yeah. white, I saw your eyes just now. That did, like, get you a yeah. bit like, hmm. I'm like, you don't need to say this. You don't need to say this. <laughs> Chris is out here, like, as an editor, like, one of the fan club representatives who should have been on the panel, like, Matthew, you're not always coming off the best. (laughs) Maybe chill on the, like, I even would have traded lives with the garbage man. Like, the garbage man is fine. He's also a human. Everything is calm. 65 (laughs) detoxes in his life. Here's my thing. I remember reading a book on the show. Very quick one. Can you remember yours? I can remember mine. But it's yours about this topic. We should probably fit it this topic. I don't know what your topic just... is.
2: No, it's not about this topic. It's about another topic, okay. which I've been trying to wait for a gap in your words. Perfect, to, perfect. To and in. just a very, very <laughs> a quick one then is that I
1: remember reading in my childhood. I still have a vivid memory of my old bedroom and it was a book on friends. I think it was called Friends Forever with trivia about episodes, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to say I enjoyed that book a little bit more because I really, as discussed in other episodes, I enjoyed this book a bit, but as it discussed in other episodes, I love behind the scenes shit.
2: You, and you just wanted to know amount- more about friends.
1: <laughs> I wanted to know more about the, the mech listen, the main thing he's gonna be remembered for, whether he likes it or not, is like not only that he was on a good sitcom, he was probably on one of the best sitcoms of all time that wasn't just good quality wise, sure it had a dip at the end. Um, but it was also like the perfect cultural zeitgeist sitcom for the nineties, along with mm. Seinfeld. Like it's a bit of an incredible weird thing that he was on. And it sounds like he's been on such a journey of like never wanting to talk about it feeling like it was um Uh, just this thing that defines him and he hates it to like actually being liberated to enjoy and appreciate that he was on it. So I'm glad about that. But like, all we fucking get is that Jennifer Aniston was super pretty and I wanted to look at her a lot. This is a co-worker he had for 10 years and he says that line like three, four times. Courtney Cox, who had, he had one of the most iconic TV relationships. I would have died to hear more about nothing. Oh, I'm so glad you made America think someone as pretty as you could fall in love with me. Like all your female co-stars are hot i get it any thought of yeah. behind the scenes stuff? joey's the most improved player he was really shit in season one but by season 10 he was the best Hey, okay, cool like joey and chandler really meaningful friendship anything david trimmer got us all the money what a selfless guy he also had very short hair in season one like my guy tell me something tell me stories <laughs> like i don't know i just wanted Maybe more he stories
2: genuinely bro. doesn't remember and maybe I, I, and, and that's maybe. one of the things it's, like he said there's one season when yeah. he's sober there's a there's a part in the book where he talks about all of the friends literally in his room giving him an intervention yes. and saying you need to yes. sort your shit out and i'm like how yes. terrifying must that have been
0: dude, Phil, dude.
2: He, he's like they're going oh they don't know that i'm drunken all over the shop or whatever and then like they're yeah. like no we know you stink you need to sort your shit out
1: <laughs> yeah 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 no you're right you're right um
2: my, I my, my, anecdote, your, yeah. my, my anecdote was about the most improved player thing with Joey oh, and how okay, he sort so, of said, like, I liked the little story about, although now I say it, it sounds probably just patronising <laughs> to Matt LeBlanc, but how no, but how they hadn't figured out Joey and what his yeah, thing was yeah, in the exactly. start. He was just like, they were like, he's, he's sort of like this attractive hot guy without much of... Yeah, sort of a personality kind of thing. Yeah. And it was kind of but like... But then how is he going to...
1: His whole thing was, how are people like the other women, especially going to like, like me on the show if all I'm because doing I'm is just, trying to sleep with everyone? Yeah. And then they and sort then of made ju- him more gone. Well, Matt sort of figured out his in, yeah. which was to make him the lovable brother, the doofus. Yeah. And I love that anecdote. And I, I think when I was on, on that book, a bit of the audio book, I was like, we're going to get this about lots of stuff. Because that yeah. anecdote is so good and so true. But it's like... Uh,
2: No, to be fair. He also also said that how sort of in season one, like Mm. you say, he was the one sort of training Matt LeBlanc and like helping him with his lines and things like that. And he said by season 10, Matt LeBlanc was helping him, which I thought was quite
1: nice. See, and that's where occasionally he will pull it out of the bag. And if he had just been like (laughs) in season one, you know, Matt LeBlanc asked me how to say my lines because I'm really funny. (laughs) <laughs> then I was like, my guy. But he then, then, he then goes on to say, like, in season 10, he was asking Matt for help because he was the most improved player and he became the most beloved guy on the show, the funniest guy on the show. Like, he really does go the other way with it. So that I appreciate. But, um, yeah, like, listen, this, I just wanted more stories, mate. And uh, you're right, he might have been a bit out of it. It reminds me, dude, as a kid watching it, like, we would talk about it and I feel like it was very noticeable that his weight would fluctuate. Hmm. And he talks about this in the book, about how when he's thin, it would mean he's on this. When he was overweight, it would mean he's on that. Yeah. And like the most stark example, season to season, it's really bad. We know for a fact now, as Friends fans, always be worried if he's got a goatee. That's when it's at the worst. He's taking all the pills when he's got a goatee. (laughs) But the difference in his weight between the end of season six, when he proposes, and the beginning of season seven, where it's supposed to be the same day, and he's wearing the same clothes, but he looks like a fully different human. It's crazy. But... um. He sort of talks to that and that I remember even as a kid being really confused and sad for him and a quite sad thought oh, occurred oh, to me. The, the, the that.
2: famous people have gone and had a, got a suntan and lost weight and got fit. Right,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually it was like, my man's out here struggling with his addiction because he had a some sort of injury and he got addicted to the pills and some of the stories like it actually gave me, I don't know how you felt about some of the stories of like he needs the pills. And if he doesn't get the pills, then he got the pills. I like, I would get anxiety. Like he did, he does describe the sort of manic nature of addiction quite well. And then at the end of the day, it's just to maintain the ground level sanity. And then he would Mm. talk about like planning his day out and he's, Oh, okay, I'm going to a house. I need five pills to get there, seven pills to stay there, four pills to get through dinner. Like I can like, you know, um, it really, really, uh, uh, nicely done sort of explaining through how uh exhausting it is and how much of a full-time job it is if the guy had had 80 percent of that mental energy to devote to his craft maybe he would have done so much more and still could do so much more like i, ha- I still the crazy thing about it is i haven't given up on him like i think he's gonna mm. still do some really interesting cool things um but yeah i just think the uh the only people in his life at the end are his therapist an assistant a sober companion someone he pays like I just uh t- to be fair, I think yeah. I think to to bring a full circle, you made my heart feel a bit better talking about his parents because it seems like he really had come a long way with his parents by the end. Yeah. And so I think that is an amazing thing that like he held it over them. Oh, there was a bit at the end, right? Where he's like, his mum finally says she's proud of him. And he's like, All I've wanted <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. to hear that. And like the fact that he he takes it quite can you imagine this as someone who's like occasionally had an interest in the arts, right? All the time he had friends go and she never really said anything about it. Mm. and like imagine being the guy who's like you fucking got friends and then the thing mm. that annoys you is like my mum's not saying anything like are you mad who cares you're like making all the money but of course that would get you because we're yeah. we're formed by these formative relationships right so he says to his mum like his mum says i'm proud of you for just writing a screenplay or something a bit later on mm. when to be fair to mum he probably needs to hear it a bit more than when he was the most famous guy on the planet that yeah. said um she says i'm proud of you he goes oh like i've been waiting so long to hear that and she goes how about a little forgiveness and you're like, bro, it goes both ways, man. She's been out here waiting for something too. Yeah. And he's been holding this unaccompanied minor shit or the fact that she had a job and had another. And it's like that to me, there was nice um, there was nice resolve there between him and his parents. Like it seems like he has amazing parents. who have always been there for him. I found it quite moving yeah. the bit where his dad calls Martha Kaufman and David, David Crane. They were like, mm. we need you to come back. We need you to come back. And he was like, don't. My son's going through a thing. Leave him alone. Mm. And he felt very torn because he didn't want to be the problem. And he's going to go friends. through it again and again and again and oh, again. <laughs>
2: mate.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I don't think. I think the more for me, right? If he got really, really into the like, if he just took the ten years of friends and did like ten chapters, and every year spoke you through like just how the fuck he got through the season that accompanied romances and addiction problems and some stories about some episodes maybe I've, i was looking for a bit more you know maybe what jay
2: Jadon... would have enjoyed it a bit more <laughs> yeah
1: exactly like i'm being very uh what's what's the word particular about it but bro um maybe you are funnier than aaron sorkin but maybe a writer as good as aaron sorkin could have helped you actually find a narrative through line here because at the end of the day um oh.
0: Yeah, sorry. I just wanted oh, to drop that wow
2: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say maybe I'm still gonna help you with your screenplay <laughs> I mean no because they would have got I mean, I mean can you imagine two words be for his West End show the end of R right. like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> some of the some of the addiction stuff was fantastic so the
1: stuff he yeah. learns from aa and rehab is amazing so like two things addicts hate i haven't been able to stop
2: thinking about this was, two like, things addicts was hate. i the only one who was like sorry to jump back in again yeah, but yeah, yeah, was yeah. I the only one who's like how is he being a sponsor for other people throughout this book dude that's the whole thing so do, yeah exactly do, do the all, amount of, all of this while he's really struggling he's helping other yeah. people and i'm like mm. yeah that part of the system is
1: a bit <laughs> tricky right he yeah. says um the two things addicts hate the way things are and change. Yeah. And i like that's that's a tricky little cocktail, right? Okay, quick one, very quick one. How did you yeah, feel about fine. the Cameron Diaz story?
2: The Cameron Diaz story. And she
1: punches him in the face. <laughs> he has his biceps out, he's getting his biceps all tanned, he goes on a date, he says something stupid, and she goes to punch him in the shoulder and she punches him in the face instead.
2: And he just drops that story in. I feel like I must. And he also have completely. I, I, I sort of remember it, but I don't remember the details. See,
1: the reason you probably don't remember it is it's like literally like a tiny paragraph long. And there's a similar thing that happens with a makeout story about Gwyneth Paltrow, where they made out. He just he does like an occasional name drop, my guy. Yeah. Um. There was this bit where he was like, when he was like uh, detoxing for like the sixty fifth time and all this stuff, mm. and he hates detox, and he's making it sound so vivid. There was nothing. There was this line actually really got me. There was nothing separating me from me after the amount of stuff he's gotten rid of, that's the whole thing of addiction, right? Separating yourself yeah. from yourself. So that from yourself. So that was the scary thing. And then he goes, I felt like a kid scared of monsters, but was oh. the monster me? And the way he said it on the <laughs> audiobook, I actually laughed a bit. Bless him. Um, <laughs> now I know what
2: you mean by you laugh. You you
1: yeah. A few of those um, at the Scores. end of the day, Let's do some scores. I have some scores for me. I have some scores for you. I feel like I also as much as I've hated a bit, I also I really still appreciate this guy. I think it was just a perfect marriage,
2: look uh Matty Perry and Charlie Bing. Jeff, look, look at it. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. well the thing is to me, it's like it's no the the photo of him as a kid on the back, bless him. Um okay. So I've got So my scores and your scores. I'm gonna guess you first. Go on then. I think the reason I recommended it in the first place is it had come up between us. I think you're a nice four. And I think the thing that stopped you from being a five was just, it's a book. Um, I think enjoyment, it was a a four because it's a good book and you enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have to ride that line right now. And Alpha Post, maybe because of how I feel about it. I went a bit too low, but I gave it. I thought you would go four, four, three. I thought your post okay. feeling would be a three. So, what were your actuals? So, my anticipation was a five. I went and bought. I Ooh. went and bought a book, Jeff. I don't buy books, dude. I forget. I forget when we were. Let alone, this is pre-podcast. You were just
2: excited about going to Waterstones for I was once like, and buying a someone else's like whole thing—a book—and that doesn't oh, happen now. Dude, that often. yeah, yeah. Fair. So, Fair. so I bought it the day it came out. That's how sad I am.
1: Imagine, <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah.
2: So, anticipation was a five. And then Enjoyment and Retrospect 4 and 4. I, I enjoyed the book. So, and I still enjoy the book, despite... I'm quite glad I didn't listen to the audiobook now for some reason. <laughs> so I was one because off all, the all of them. the monster, me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing is, I think in parts it made it worse. But in other parts, I think it made it better. Like, it was Matthew Perry. Like, he's pretty mm. funny. But here or there, he'd be like, and dentist. And fuck you guys stupid fucks like i was like bro <laughs> he, he's got a lot of anger I and he's it. just so, he's, got, he's just he's a very rich guy that was a thing that just mm. listen he got he got very rich very young and that will do things to a person but he's still Matt, uh, matthew perry my scores do you have a little yes now that i've done my review
2: my guess is after this shocking review um <laughs> my guess is where fours across the board but clearly that's not the answer now <laughs> well we have
1: we have a tie because four was my anticipation yeah so you're on the money no we don't didn't seem a to enjoy amount. it <laughs> <laughs> i i i threed it i did have a three enjoyment i had yeah. a lot of takes but it was oh one thing i've got to give it credit for hey i don't feel like he had like a lot of celebrity memoirs anyone helping him write it it read mm. very easy He's, he yeah. is a writer at the end of the day he needs to hopefully like find uh, why don't you just send him purpose? some critiques
2: tell him how he can improve <laughs> i think dude i think, I think the internet's it. already more than on top of that i think
1: all the reviews out <laughs> do, do there so funny, um, i
2: haven't read any of the reviews i didn't read any of and that's, that's what i love thought, that's I what i love right the book i'm gonna go read my my, my, read my And I'm, re- I'm
1: really glad you didn't uh and so three was my enjoyment and yeah two was my after just the more i settled into it i was just like yeah and dude a two isn't nothing and the three will always stand uh so to be fair you got the first one you were off by one and then you were off by two no so we were both off by three it is a draw um so, yeah, that's the Cultural Content Consumption Appraisal Hour Book Club special. That's our first of its kind. Um, we felt a lot of different ways about mm. Matthew Perry's uh, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. But I think, um, hey, read it for yourself. Check it out. See what you think. I think, it. Uh, let alone whether you listen to the audiobook or read the book, it also depends on whether you grew up loving friends or not. I will yeah. say this. If you didn't grow up loving friends... I don't you know. Think
2: if you it's need a to read this is terrible book. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know if we need,
1: need to. Um, but we're out here standing our boy, and I still do stand him. Um,
2: I just, you know, yeah. So, but With if all you said... want to know, as Lisa Kudrow writes in the first line of the foreword, <laughs> how's Matthew Perry know, doing? If you want to know how Matthew Perry's doing, yeah. you can find out by reading the book. turns out i like the forward not great
1: (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of spots not the best at the end um he mentions uh oh you must have popped for this he he does like this list it's quite like the end of this woody allen movie manhattan Mm. where woody allen comes up with all the things that make him happy he's alive so matthew perry Mm. is quite aa and addiction recovery of him but he does like this list of things he's grateful for and it's quite a cute list Mm. um but one of them was like Ryan Adams playing New York, New York on a piano at Carnegie Hall on November 17th, 2014. And I was like, wow, that was a specific Please, shout out.
2: I completely forgot that reference. <laughs> Dude, I had to rewind the audiobook. I was like, did he just say that? Like, that's yeah. mad. Um, I read it and was like, oh dear. <laughs> How are um, all my things I've... connected? Oh, by the way, and his, his sort of connection with um, yeah. Michael J. Fox as well. Dude.
0: Okay.
2: yeah. Last so little we'll end on that. Somehow in one book, I get Matthew Perry, Michael J. Fox and that's... a Ryan Adams reference. Yeah. I'm like, um, <sighs> <laughs> and mate what was the thing about Michael J. Fox I that the guy remember. had the top
1: movie and the top TV show in the country he's the only it. other guy who's done it Back to the Future and I think it was Spin City at the time no 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 it was Family Ties Family Ties well played so, well yeah played. they both had the top um, movie and the top show Matthew in the country Perry had the Friends time. and The Whole Nine Yards, which for a while yeah. was the top movie in america so listen as much as fame meant nothing and celebrity meant nothing it also meant everything and that's the lesson of uh, this memoir um
0: we we have
1: been the culture content consumption appraisal hour um i still want to rewatch friends i still love friends and i still yeah. love matthew perry too learning about your heroes and their flaws is actually really instructive and awesome and humanizing i feel like and the one thing i cannot fault him for is like he exposed all of it it almost seemed a bit of like a self-authoring therapy exercise that yeah. I think part of him uh, genuinely this is like half half joking I feel like his therapist might have told him he had to write this before he settles down with a woman like it feels like he's really dealt with so much shit now and it's all yeah. constructed in a narrative that now he can finally settle down because that's clearly the thing he wants bless him he wants
2: as, as, as the guitar is playing stuff. out Jeff can you just let me know what the difference between a memoir, memoir and an autobiography is
1: uh there's I think they're different words for the same things
2: really great cool <laughs>
1: A memoir and an autobiography Oh, I think, the same thing. I remember hearing that word for the first time on The Simpsons. The Simpsons. I'm writing my memoirs. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what is going That's on? The, That's the you... first time I remember it. So... I think That's it was Seymour time.
2: Skinner writing his memoirs. And now the guitar's... No. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, not now the guitar's... It's not Seymour Skinner. It's when um, the ex-president moves next door.
1: It's the ex-president! Well played. It's, it's not Seymour Skinner. Next door. Um,
2: yeah. Gerald Ford? No, 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 no. Who
1: was it? I George Bush? no. Bush,
2: Yeah. George Brasenia or something it was George yeah. Brasenia
1: writing his um, he's trying yeah, to write and his fucking memoirs and his memoirs
2: go everywhere yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was like what are memoirs um, and now the guitars uh, and now the guitars um, continue to talk to us at cccappraisalhour at gmail.com we have lots of fun stuff coming up whether it's reviewing albums or TV shows or movies all your favourite stuff from the boys at the CCC Appraisal Hour um, we'll speak to you soon goodbye take
0: it if you don't Like when we misspeak, or boost the audio, or unpeak The microphones bleed cause they're so cheap, we're sorry to your ears If you don't like the intro, or the bit in the middle, of this outro Or if you don't like the whole show, question why were you here? If you don't like the podcast If you think we both speak too fast Too many tangents never stay on task Pick up a book instead If you don't like what we recommend If your patience wears thin towards the end If you think you could do better with your friend Please go ahead If you don't like this content Or like me, the word content then please go be more content and never listen to us again